Um, grab your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth, uh, near the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, right? So, small little book right there near the beginning. What we've come to learn is that Ruth is, uh, is not just a love story, although it is that. It's the story of, of two people that end up, you know, miraculously falling in love and really have nothing in common. Um, but it's, it's not just an unfolding love story. Um, it is much bigger than that. It is telling us actually about the loving kindness of God. And um, we're going to see more about that today. Um, so uh, the book of Ruth tells us a story about uh, of the faithful love of a daughter-in-law, Ruth, uh, for her widowed mother-in-law. And it's the kind of, it also tells us about the kind favor of a man from Bethlehem who... Um, sort of took them under his refuge and provided for them and cared for them. Um, But it also develops into a budding romance, which is what we will see today. All right, everybody found your place in in the book of Ruth? If you got it, say, I got it. Okay, good deal. You're going to need your Bibles today. So a little bit of a review. In chapter one, we jumped into the middle of of a story filled with brokenness and grief, tragedy. Naomi's husband had died. And uh, after they moved to Moab, they went to Moab running from a famine, and uh, they thought they could find food in Moab. They went there, and her husband passed away, and then uh, years later, her uh, two sons died, but not before they had married Moabite women. Naomi heard that there was uh, food again in Bethlehem, that God had provided food. There was a harvest season coming, and She's decided to load up and move back, and she's surprised that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, decides to go with her. So she uh, takes the journey with her. Ruth says some of the most famous and beautiful words in all of Scripture in chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Ruth tells Naomi, "Don't, don't urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. And these words resonate uh, not only as a commitment to care for her mother-in-law, but really as a, as, a, as a profession of faith. Your God will be my God. And what we found in chapter one is that Ruth is actually leaving behind her home, her family, her culture, her security. And ultimately, she's leaving behind her, her gods, her idols and uh, her way of life. She's embracing the God of Israel and his way of life. Amazingly. What we find is that the Lord is kind to those who have wandered far from him. Do you believe that? How many of you have received that kind of kindness? If you've ever wandered far from God and, uh, and have found that no matter how many steps away you take, he's just one step back. Anybody ever found that to be true? Well, the Lord calls us to return to him. And in chapter one, we see the beginnings of a return. In chapter two, uh, Naomi and Ruth arrive in Bethlehem. They're hungry, right? They, they sort of uh, find a place. We're not given those details, but Ruth says to Naomi the next morning, she says, look, I'm going to go out and glean in the fields and just see what I can find. You know, we're starving. We need, we need food. And in chapter two, verse three, the author says that she just so happens to wander into the field of a man named Boaz. And what we come to discover is that this is too good to be true. It just, it just cannot just be a happy coincidence that she wanders into Boaz's field. Um, 
it's not just coincidence. It is the providence of God that God has been working out the details to 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 make these two people meet. We, we talked about it, how it's uh, God's way of like a, a blind date, if you will, and that uh, she finds Boaz and he is a godly man and a godly leader. He finally turns and speaks to Ruth, who's working there in his field and. He tells her not to go to any other field, but that she will find security. She'll find all that she needs, all the provisions she'll need right there under his care. And this is incredible kind of kindness. He even invites her to come up to the table and sit and eat with his workers. Tells her to dip her bread in the wine and just enjoy a meal. And and she does that. She's blown away by his kindness. She says to Boaz, why would you be so kind to me? I'm I'm a foreigner. I don't belong here. I'm not even one of your servants. Why are you kind to me? And Boaz essentially says to her, well, it is it is the Lord who is caring for him, caring for you. You have you've sought refuge under his wings and he is caring for you. This is amazing. And here we see we saw in in uh, Ruth two that the Lord gives merciful refuge to anyone who comes to him in faith. To anyone who comes to him in faith. Now. When Ruth goes home to Naomi, sees Ruth coming and she's shocked because anybody know why she's surprised? Because she's coming back with a boatload of food, right? Um, Boaz is, is like um, is like your, uh, your your grandmother who has who's piled you up with the Tupperware when you left her house from lunch. Right. She's loaded you down. She sent you off with all that food. And uh, Boaz keeps loading them down. So she's coming back to Naomi and she's surprised and she says, where did you work today? And essentially, where did you get all this food? How, who blessed you with this? And, and Ruth and Naomi have this conversation. And Ruth finally says, like it's the, the writer gives it this long delay. And she says, the man in whose field I work today is Boaz. And when she says Boaz's name, Naomi kind of flips out. And she says, oh, the Lord has been kind to the living and the dead. That's an important expression. Because Naomi seems to know something about Boaz. She knows that Boaz is of the clan of Elimelech, who is Naomi's deceased husband. And she knows that Boaz is not just a man who can provide food for them, but he's actually a qualified redeemer. Naomi knows that this man could marry this girl and give children to our family, and we could have an ongoing family through him. And there's a lot we can dig into there, but this is where the storyline and the romance begins to pick up some steam. And uh, so if you haven't cheated already and read ahead, this will be an exciting chapter. All right, why don't you stand with me? Let's read chapter three, Ruth chapter three. Word of the Lord. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but Don't make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. 
But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he'll tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? (laughs) And she answered, I am Ruth. Your servant, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. And then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? And she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty handed to your mother in law. And she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Let's pray. Lord, we trust that you are always working in the details of our lives for our good and for your ultimate glory. Sometimes that's hard to believe, God, because life is tough, it's difficult, it's filled with famine and and death and hardship, and sometimes it's really hard to believe that these things can be good. But we trust all that we see in the Scriptures and all that we know of your character that you are working for good. We see in Boaz a picture of our great redeemer, Jesus. And we, like Ruth, are outsiders. We are foreigners. We are sinful people. We deserve to be shunned and sent away hungry and hopeless. We do not deserve to glean in your fields, to be seated at your table. We certainly don't deserve to be brought into covenant relationship with you. But you are kind and merciful, God. You are a faithful redeemer. And we lay ourselves at your feet, Lord, believing that we will find true rest under your wings. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I must say I've heard some pretty wild proposal stories, wedding proposal stories in my day, but this one might take the cake. Um, it's, it's wild, and it is that, if you didn't catch it, because it is kind of an old school Hebrew terminology, but if you didn't catch it, that's essentially what's happening here is that Ruth has come to Boaz. She's laying herself at his feet in the, in the posture of a servant, and she's essentially saying to him, I need you. I want you to marry me. Now, once again, it's important to remember that not everything described in your Bible is prescribed in your Bible. Does that make sense? So here's what I'm saying, young ladies. Please don't do this. Don't, don't, don't do this. Uh, if my daughter does this, I might be upset. Um, now, it would be definitely a strange um, to find a boy in the middle of the night, uncover his feet and lie there uh, until he awakes, startled to see you and says, who are you? And you say, I don't know what you'd say, but <laughs> there's really nothing you can say at that point to uh, settle what you've done. It's just, it's very awkward. Um, but I will say on the surface, the story seems to have some scandal to it, doesn't it? It seems a little bit even possibly seductive or manipulative, uh, a little bit of that. You know, it's in the night and um, she's obviously kind of gotten dolled up a little bit. And, and you might think to yourself that this is sultry or seductive. And we must resist the urge, I think, to import, you know, a, a Netflix kind of mentality and um, of seduction and all of those things into the storyline. The truth is, it's just not there. Um, so, so the question then is, what is happening? And how does this story tell us about our God? Okay, this is, these are the questions that we always want to dig into in the scriptures. We, we believe that the scripture is God revealing himself to us. And so stories are here not just for our entertainment or for our pleasure, but they're here so that we can know who God is. And how he has saved us. So essentially in the storyline here, Naomi realizes that the harvest is ending. And the potential for a meaningful, redeeming relationship between Ruth and Boaz, the potential for that relationship is um, becoming more urgent. She knows that as the harvest ends, Ruth is no longer going to be seeing Boaz in the fields. And so... She feels the pressure to do something, right? Now, we said in chapter two that it was God's providence putting things together. And that might lead us to be passive people. We believe God is the one orchestrating even the details of our lives. And we do believe that. And yet we also believe chapter three, right? That Naomi says, hey, we need to act. It's time to do something. And so here we are. Uh, with Naomi, the mother-in-law, and she um, is pressing for action. If you, if you notice the way her questions are phrased in the first few verses of the chapter, she says, should I not find rest for you? Is he not one of our relatives? Can he not redeem you? That, that phrasing has built into it this urgency, this sort of frustration. She's arguing from a negative perspective. I don't know if you've ever done that. Um, my wife has. Um, 
I forgot you were in here, babe. I'm sorry. I apologize. But she says these words. She says, should I not find rest for you? I really want to sort of dig our our teeth in to that expression and that idea of rest. Find rest. Naomi says, um, hey, Boaz is going to be down at the threshing floor. He's going to be working to separate the good grain from the chaff. And there's a lot involved in that. But it's basically at the end of the harvest season, they gather all their all that they would harvested. They crush the grain so that it breaks the chaff and the grain is about to pop out. And they start flinging it up in the air and the wind blows the bad stuff away. And the and the grain falls to the ground because it's heavier. And then they sort it out. And at the end of all of that work, they have a big meal celebrating and they drink and they talk and tell stories about the harvest. And imagine the excitement, the celebration, especially on the heels of a famine, right? This is going to be a celebration. They're going to be happy guys. At the end of the night, they lay their head down on all that they've harvested so to protect it from thieves. And Naomi knows this is happening. She knows what's going on down there. And she thinks to herself and she says it out loud. As um, mature women often do, (laughs) she says, there's going to be an opportunity for you to have a private conversation with Boaz. And I know just when to do it. So she starts spelling out the details to her. She looks at Ruth. And I think this is kind of funny. She looks over at her after she's kind of got this imagery in her mind of what all's going to happen. She looks over at Ruth and she says, my gosh, girl, go take a shower. Right. Um, Go clean up. Take off your sweaty work clothes and put on this nice cloak and get the smelly good stuff on. Fix your hair. Goodness gracious. You know, that's essentially what's happening. And there's some practical care and attention given to make Ruth attractive here. It's just it's just reality. Um, She doesn't want Boaz mistaking her intentions and. You know, having this rendezvous in the middle of the night only to, for Boaz to send her home with another to-go box, right? I mean, she, she, she wants him to know this woman is available. And she needs him to want to marry Ruth. He needs to maybe see her in a little different light. So the game plan here goes beyond meeting just practical needs for survival. They're, they're no longer looking to Boaz just to provide today's meals. It's to the deeper needs of lasting rest through real relationship. Now, do you know that is true of each of us? The only lasting rest you will get is in real relationship with God through Jesus. We'll talk more about that. Let's talk for a minute about Ruth. What did Ruth No, what did she do? I just want to spell out what happened and then we'll kind of dig into um, how the Lord wants to teach us. So Ruth knew that her, she knew her urgent need for redemption. You notice that? She's not reluctant to obey Naomi's request. she's, She's resolved that this is important and now is the time for action. Now think about the ramifications of the situation. Unless Boaz... Uh, becomes their redeemer by marrying Ruth and giving her a son, unless that unfolds, then the long-range future actually looks no different from what we've seen unfolding, the hard life we, we saw in 
uh, chapter 2. She'll be working in the fields, just providing the next meal every day of her life. Ruth, she'll work her fingers to the bone. And she and Naomi together will just eke out an existence in Bethlehem until they die. And when they die, it will be um, Elimelech's family land and his legacy will, will end with them. It will be inevitably the end of a miserable story. There'll be nothing lasting for them. No future to pass on. No one to carry on the family name or the legacy. So for Ruth, for Naomi, the future is bleak apart from Boaz. And the time for action is now. This is an urgent need. Ruth knew her urgent need. Ruth believed in her Redeemer. She believed in her Redeemer. What, what happened? So look at what Ruth does. She makes a very bold move, doesn't she? I mean, in the middle of the night, she's getting dressed up and she goes in the middle of the night and she's sort of scoping out where Boaz is working and ultimately where he's going to lay down. I mean, there's some practical things there. You, you don't want to go over and uncover the wrong man's feet. That would be really awkward. Um, so she pays attention to where Boaz is going to lay down, and then she waits on him to eat and drink, and, and then she lies down. But there's a bold move, very risky. I mean, Ruth is a Moabite. Remember that? Like, she's an outsider. She's, she's a woman, first of all. This is not an appropriate place for a woman. She's a foreigner. She was an idolater. She a beggar, essentially. So we have to say that she has no right to come to him, especially not here and especially not now. It would have been deemed very inappropriate. They both knew that, which is why, you know, he told her to leave before daybreak, before anybody could see her. You need to you need to go. She's bold. She's brazen. She's willing to cross a lot of lines, a lot of boundaries, a lot of cultural taboo type things. She's willing to do it. Why? Well, because it's urgent. The need is great. And she knows Boaz is uniquely able to be the rescuer that she wants. So she makes a bold move. She also made a humble request in chapter three, verse nine. She says to him, spread your wings over me. Some of your translations may, may say, um, let the corner of your garment um, put it over me. All right, th- those words are interchangeable a little bit, but essentially this is an echo of chapter 2, verse 12, where when she came to Boaz and she was like, why are you being so kind to me? Why are you being kind to me? And he said to her, it's the Lord's kindness under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. She says back to him in chapter three, verse nine, I want to come under your wings. Essentially, she's saying, Boaz, the prayer you prayed for me, you can be the answer of your own prayer. Like you, you're the answer to your own prayer. Put your wings over me, provide for me, care for me. She essentially says to him, I want you, I want to be your wife. So laying herself down at his feet, she's postured as a servant. That word there in the text is not the same as it was in chapter two. The one in chapter two is a word for like employee. This word here is for maid servant. It's a familial relational, like a wife. 
maidservant. And she says to him, I am your maidservant. And I want to be your wife. You are a redeemer for us. This is a humble request. Now, make no mistake, she's not manipulating. She's not, you know, bending things around. She's come straight to him. She's come straight at him with her request. She's giving it in a posture of humility. Takes a humble position. She's not presuming or heaping on him any sense of obligation. But she is asking him to love her. And to marry her. This is a humble, bold request. So why is she able to do this? Well, it's because she trusted his kindness. Right? And we've been seeing a lot about Boaz's character throughout the last few chapters. We've, we've seen and Ruth felt the kindness of Boaz. He's constantly lifting the lowly. Making the, the, his employees feel high with dignity and honor. She personally received his generosity on many occasions as kindness from the Lord. We find that Boaz is a man of faith. He's constantly referencing God. I mean, remember when he walked into the field and spoke to his employees, the Lord bless you, right? The Lord be with you. And they respond back, the Lord bless you. He's constantly referring to Yahweh, Yahweh, this covenant God he's in relationship with. And he lives his life in light of this covenant keeping God. Ruth could come now and throw herself at the feet of a man and ask for him to marry her because she had come to trust his heart. She hoped that he would see their need. And his ability to save them. And that out of the kindness of his heart and for love, he would, she hoped he would willingly redeem her. Well, beyond faith in Boaz, this is actually a bold move of faith in God for Ruth. She is trusting that the God, Yahweh, Boaz's God, Naomi's God, is providing for her a husband and a family in the future. She's believing it. There's risk involved. You know, somebody said one time, you can spell faith this way, R-I-S-K. Did you know that? In many ways, faith is risky. And to do something, to be a person of faith is to take risk. And it was the case for Ruth. She was risking rejection. She was risking embarrassment, all, all of the things. And she pressed into it anyway. Why? Well, because she believed And so she laid it all on the line. This was, for Ruth, a point of no return. If, think about this, if Boaz sits up, covers his feet up, and he's like, you crazy girl. Go away now. Well, things are going to be awkward from this point forward, right? So this is very risky. But what does Boaz do? He sees this woman at his feet. Here's her request. And he sits up and responds to her with a blessing. A blessing. Now, a beautiful woman comes in the middle of the night, smelling all nice, uncovers this man's feet and waits on him to wake up. And when he wakes up and sees her, he says, may the Lord bless you. Right? I mean, this guy, what a guy, right? I mean... Boaz is a, is a godly man, but he's, but he's still a man, right? And this is remarkable. It says a lot about his character. 
It says a lot about his integrity and the way he treats a woman. He, he treats her with and regards her with the utmost respect and honor. Just a, a moment, a deviation for a moment here, ladies. Single ladies, high school ladies. Find a young man who will honor you. Treat you with the respect and dignity that who you are. You, you are an image bearer of God. You're not an object for him. Find a man who will honor you and treat you like this man does. Even in a moment that many would have viewed as a seductive pass, like she's making a pass at him. He does not see it that way. He, he treats her with an over-the-top kind of honor. He even commends her. Did you notice that in, uh, in, I think it's verse 10. He says to her, you have made this last kindness greater than the first. What's he talking about there? What was the first kindness that Ruth demonstrated? The first said kindness. What was it? Do you remember? When she stuck it out with Naomi. Right? This is when she demonstrates the kind of kindness that God has. God has this covenant keeping. I'm staying with you. I'm never going to leave you. Don't tell me to go away again. I'm with you. You don't want to do this without me. And I'm not going to let you. That's the kindness of God. Right? And Boaz acknowledges that. He was like, that was a great kindness. But here you are asking for me to marry you. And he says to her, this is a greater kindness. And in case you didn't catch what he means, he says it this way. This last kindness is greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Essentially, he says, you could have had your pick of the guys. but You have chosen me and you've chosen me for a reason. It's not that I'm the best looking or the wealthiest or the. It really has nothing to do with me apart from the fact that I can redeem you and your mother-in-law. You are loving her by your petition. Did you catch that? This is amazing. Boaz sees a, a kindness in Ruth that just floors him. If it had been about Ruth. If it had been about her, she would have gone a different route. Boaz sees that Ruth's proposal is not just a, a love drunk girl who's chasing after, made a rash decision to chase after the sweaty man she saw in the field. That's not what's happening here. Boaz sees that Ruth is giving her future, her marriage, even her womb. In selfless love for Naomi. This is amazing, right? And Boaz is impressed. He's blown away by this woman. So, how does he respond? What does he say? Ruth receives the promise of redemption. Boaz says to her, I am a redeemer and I will redeem you. I actually really love the way he says it in chapter 3, verse 13. He says it twice. And at the end of that paragraph, he says it this way. As the Lord lives, I will redeem you. I love that promise. Think about it. In the day of judges, when everyone else is doing what's right in their own eyes, right? 
Everyone's doing what they think is right, what they want to do. Whatever they want to do, they just go do it. Boaz does not act that way. He says, as the Lord lives, as Yahweh lives, I will redeem you. He's a worthy man who promises to make this foreigner family, who promises to make this widow his wife. And this promise is, is powerful and beautiful. And it's given weight by these three words or these four words, as the Lord lives, as the Lord lives. What does he mean by that? You may want to write these these things down. I just picked up a, a few things. Here's what I think he means. First, on the surf, surface, he's saying you can bank on this. It's certain as the Lord lives like he's adding some weight to his promise. I guarantee you I will redeem you. What does that do for her heart? You remember chapter three, verse one, Naomi says, should I not seek what rest for you? What does this do to a woman's heart filled with anxiety and fear? And, and, and this whole moment is stressful and anxious and she's concerned. I mean, what if he says no? What if he rejects me? What if what if what if all the what ifs are answered in this way? As the Lord lives, I will redeem you. That's great confidence. He gives her a certainty. Then secondly, it's more than that. Boaz is saying, he's expressing a personal submission to living in light of God as the Lord lives. Because God lives and because I believe this is what he wants to happen, I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, I will do what I believe he wants done. Boaz is not just giving her certainty. He's actually telling her why he's going to do it. It's not just because she's a good looking woman. It's because this is Yahweh's will. It's what God wants him to do. And thirdly, Boaz uses the covenant name of God here as he does often in the book. All capital L-O-R-D is the name Yahweh. It's God's covenant name. It's the name for God that expresses his goodness, that he's with you. And Boaz is saying to her, he is redeeming you. I'm I'm going to redeem you to make the glory of Yahweh known. This is not just about me and you, Ruth. God has put this thing together. God wants this to happen. And this is not going to be for my glory or your glory or any. It's going to be to glorify Yahweh. As the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Boaz is a powerful man of faith here. And Ruth's heart of anxiety has to be put at ease by his words. She comes to him. She asks him to take her as his wife. Boaz has obviously already considered this. So there's some romance. He's already considered because he's done the research and he's discovered that he's not the closest of kin. There's another guy. And so Boaz, being the honorable man that he is, he's like, we're not going to elope and go do our own thing. We're actually going to go by the law. And and this guy actually has uh, it's really ironic to say this, but he actually has first dibs. (laughs) Sorry. So um, I'll, I'll check with him tomorrow. And these words are scary, probably. He says, you know, if if he wants to redeem you, then good. So be it. But if not, then I will. 
this is uh, wild right now. Um, you know, all this drama, all this buildup, and then some other dude might swoop in and be the redeemer. It's really strange. It's kind of a shocker moment, you know, probably the moment where the TV show cuts to commercial or whatever, or, or you know, it goes to the black screen and then the credits start to roll and you're like, what? You know? So this is kind of a cliffhanger moment. And just before the curtains close, I guess, Boaz says, Ruth, Ruth, come close. Come here. Stretch out your shawl. I got some barley for you. <laughs> and he loads her down with all this barley. <laughs> Great, you know, like this. I don't know. We were laughing about this Wednesday night. Like Boaz is definitely an older man, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, you went away smelling nice. You came back smelling like bread. I'm, I'm not sure what, what happened, but Boaz, uh, you know, he loves to send that woman home with some bread. It's just, it's funny. Um. All right, so. We will spend some time next week discussing the terms of redemption because it's really, really important. Why, why is Boaz qualified to redeem her? Why, why can he redeem her? That's important. We're going to spend a few minutes with that next time and get some resolution to the drama. Chapter 4 we'll, we'll deal with next week. But before we go today, here's what I want to, I want to do. I want to do some personal evaluation. We've looked at Ruth and how the storyline has unfolded. But here's what we know. We know this is not just the love story between a man and a woman, right? It's not just that. You have to think, why did God decide to put this book in the Bible? How is it good news? How does it unfold the story of Jesus? And truthfully, there's many ways. But I want us to see one today. This is not just a love story between a man and a woman. It is the story of God's love for lost Sinners, God's redeeming love. And God has written this story to build the tension of desperate and urgent need in your own heart. To limit the scope of rescue to only one faithful man in Bethlehem. And to offer his full and lasting rest only through covenant relationship with him. This is what God is unfolding. He wants you to see that you are like Ruth and a little like Naomi, desperately in need. Desperately in need. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. Have you seen your own urgent need for redemption? This world is, is full of anxiety. It's full of trouble, right? It does not offer rest. It's, it's chapter one, full of hardship. And in spite of all that, the world would tell you that you, you can do this. You can, you can achieve, you can work your way or you can um, vacation your way to real rest. Look within you and just keep on going. And what is true is this, that you will spend every day working just to survive. And at the end of it all, there'll be nothing. If all you have is what you have, you have nothing. You know, it all goes back in the box, right? 
You won't take it with you. And just as it never fully made you happy here, it will not then either. Like Ruth, we, all of us, need to be rescued. We cannot work our way to peace and joy. There are things that money cannot buy, no matter how hard you work. You cannot work your way into a relationship with God. You need, you need, need to be redeemed. We are like Ruth, just trying to make it, working in the fields, right? Nothing particularly attractive about us, nothing to draw him in. In fact, we're, we're outsiders, we're sinners. We don't belong. But God is merciful. He is good, he is kind. Do you see your urgent need to be redeemed? God is perfectly holy. He comes against sin with righteous judgment and wrath. That's what's happening. It is actually good for God to be radically against all that is killing you. You know that? All the things that you think will satisfy you, but they never truly will. It is actually good of God to come against those things. To open your eyes to see that only he truly satisfies. Nothing in this life is going to give rest to your soul. Jesus didn't come to condemn you, but to save you. The the scripture Bart was referencing, you know it well, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not, what? Perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know the the next few? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But listen to this. Whoever does not believe is what? Condemned already. It's not that you will one day be in trouble. Do you understand? You have urgent need now. It's as if the house that you're sleeping in is on fire. You're condemned already. You need a redeemer, a rescuer to meet you in your condemnation and save you. God sent Jesus to redeem people who are condemned to die. This is an urgent situation. Just as Ruth and Naomi are are walking dead people, essentially, their lifeline is cut off from the face of the earth. Unless somebody redeem them, you also are walking dead, the scripture says. Even we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God made us alive, right? You urgently, you urgently, we urgently need a redeemer, a savior. Do you believe? Second question. Do you you know you have an urgent need? Secondly, do you believe that he is kind and merciful to save? You know, Romans chapter two, verse four, one of my favorites has this little phrase in it. It says it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. Think about Boaz, the character, the person of Boaz. Why was Ruth so bold to come to him? His kindness. She thought, if anybody wants to rescue me, it's him. Why will you come to Jesus? 
You must believe that He wants to save you more than you want to be saved. If you believe He is kind and merciful, do what Ruth did. Make a bold move. Make a humble request. Ruth took action. She went right then. She threw herself at His feet. Will you? Do you truly believe your need is that urgent? And He's that willing? Throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. Ask Him to redeem you. Confess your sins. Commit your life to Him. Put all your hope in Jesus. Who else can save you? And that's the deal, isn't it? There is no other Redeemer. So the final question, have you received the promise of Jesus? Like Boaz, as the Lord lives I will redeem you. Like Boaz, Jesus makes bold promises to put our anxious hearts at ease, to give rest to weary souls, right? Jesus said, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. He's come to give rest to the anxious heart. That all you've been working for and trying and striving to do, he says, I want you to take rest, not in your work, take rest in my work. I've done all the work that needs to be done. You rest in me. Come to me, Jesus says. Jesus has promised redemption. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 7, there is redemption through his blood. There's a cost and he already paid it. There's redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, right? Jesus says in John 10 that he is the good shepherd and his sheep know his voice. I love John 10, 28. Jesus says this. My sheep know my voice. And then in verse 28, he says, I give them eternal life. That's good, isn't it? Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. He even says, no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is the promise of a Redeemer who's able to keep it. As Jesus lives, He will never let go of you. I give them eternal life. Have you received the promise of the Redeemer? You will only find... Amen. You will only find lasting peace and rest if you run to Jesus and rest in Him.